Thanks for checking out the Relentless Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Let me start by asking you a question. Have you ever met anybody that is a terrible whisperer? You know what I mean? Like, like, let me give you an example. So like in school, we had this, we had this friend, his name was Brandon. Uh, no, 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 not the Brandon. Like I'm way older than the other Brandon. So clearly not that Brandon. Turn this thing down just a little bit more. Not, not Brandon who had his first service on the base tonight. Yeah. Where's he at? Brandon, where you at? Brandon, stand up. Come on, stand up. Brandon, this was Brandon's first night. This boy learned to play bass guitar like, like, I don't know, like two weeks ago or something. It was impressive. Really awesome. So uh, he did a great job tonight. Not that Brandon. This other kid named Brandon I went to high school with, he was known for a lot of things. Um, but in this context, he was known as being a terrible whisperer. We would sit in class and he sat like, like there was, you, you know how you're like, if you get to really pick your seat in class, you get to sit like you and your friends all kind of sit together. And so that's kind of, we had like a group of friends that all kind of sat in the same area. Well, Brandon usually sat in the same general area. And you know how like when the teacher's talking and you're kind of like, you're supposed to be taking notes, but you ain't really taking notes and you're, you're talking, but you know, you whisper. Why? So you don't get in trouble. And they do that thing where they're like, uh, would you like to give us the answer, Mr. Catlin? And I'm like, four? And then I realize I'm in like English and that makes no sense, but you know, that happens. Does that happen to anybody else? It happens. Anyway, but so we would whisper and we're like, dude, so what's, and we're just talking stuff. We knew not to ask Brandon a question after the first time. Cause like somebody just whisper something real quick. Yeah. So like you whisper, that's how you whisper. You go, Hey, Hey man, Hey, what's the answer to number four? Not that you cheat. I'm in on the practice test, not on the real test. Cause you don't cheat on tests. Uh huh. Anyway. So I, we would whisper a question. What's the answer? And he, we knew not to ask Brandon because Brandon couldn't whisper. Brandon would go, four. And I'm like, whisper. He's like, I am four. You ever heard? Or maybe, and I won't call anybody out, but like I was sitting in church a couple of weeks ago and I was sitting there and like I'm listening and there's people behind me who are having a conversation and I'm not talking like, hey, what do you want to eat the lunch after this? I don't know. What, do, you, do you want tacos? Or like, cause you know, you can at least whisper while they're preaching in church. This lady behind me is like, what do you want for lunch later? And I'm like, like, you're not quiet at all. You are a terrible whisperer. And so we joke with Christy around the house that Christy is also a terrible whisperer, but she has an excuse. She's half deaf. Literally she's half like in one ear, she's deaf. So at least she has an excuse. Some people just don't have an excuse. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about tonight, but I just felt like I needed to get that. I needed like just, just therapy for me a little bit, dealing with years of terrible whispers. So the last week that we met, two weeks ago, we set up this whole series, Whisper, and it's, it's kind of framed around this entire idea of, of how God kind of whispers to us. Now that sounds kind of uh, lame, maybe to some of you, especially dudes. I don't know, dudes, if, if, if you're like me, but sometimes um, when I, I hear a song that very clearly was written by a girl, um, sometimes it doesn't appeal to me. I'll give you a prime example, and we don't sing it, so I can kind of pick fun at it. Um, what's the name of that song? Uh, yeah, it's, I know it's Carrie Job, and I know the lyric I'm getting ready to mention, but what's the name of the song? Um, the More I Seek You. 
So Carrie Job has this song called The More I Seek You, and it's like this lovely song. Churches all over the world sing it and like hold hands and sway in harmony. I don't know. They do all kinds of stuff. Lives have been changed. So I don't want to like, I don't want to diss a song because it very, very much is like a powerful song. People get their lives changed through it. However, I can tell this song was written by a girl because the chorus says this. I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand, lay back against you and breathe, feel your heartbeat. Now, can I tell you, no dude wrote that because I mean, I'm not saying like there has to be this macho thing, but I've never really written, like felt poetic about just laying back against God and breathing. That's weird to me. Or what's, is that the same song that the bridge talks about dancing with him? But it's like, like a waltz. You know, it's like the impression. Maybe it's just me. It probably says way more about me than I really want it to communicate. But and again, I'm trying to figure out where I'm going with this. But anyway, so yeah, whisper. So last week, we, or two weeks ago, we talked about a guy in the Bible. You've probably heard of him, whether you've been in church a while or not, named Moses. Everybody say Moses. <laughs> Moses. You've probably heard about Moses. He did a lot of cool stuff. Uh, one of the things we talked about last week is that we kind of told you a little bit about how Moses got started and... <clears throat> We told you a little bit about how he was this huge figure. He's like leadership books study him to this day on how he led because he was a big, big deal. But the interesting thing about Moses that we, that we touched on last time was how he got started. Moses was in fear or in hiding, afraid, trying not to be noticed. And then all of a sudden God came to him in a very, very powerful way. Anybody know how? Come on. Yes, it was... It was a bush. He's literally out there shepherding sheep, like tending a herd, and this bush is on fire. All right. Now we did talk about that. That that seems like a very like obvious thing. Like okay, you would pay attention to, but it wasn't because brush fires were pretty common in that area. But what what kind of caught his eye at first was that it was on fire, but then he noticed that it wasn't burning. And here's here's the key phrase that we we touched on last time. It says once Moses stopped what he was doing and turned to the burning bush, God spoke. And the big thing that we took away from the last time that we talked was that it's not until we actually stop what we're doing and pay attention to God that he speaks. See, sometimes we want God to tell us things or we want God to direct us in things and we want him to do these amazing things in our life, but we don't actually stop doing any of the other things we're doing. Sometimes we want to pray and we want God to answer our prayers, but we do all the talking and then we come and we complain and we're like, man, I don't ever hear God speak to me. Well, it's because you don't ever give God time to speak. Just let that sink in for a second. Or maybe, you know, you're in a place in life where you're like, man, I just feel like I have no time for God. And okay, well, what's, what, what do you do? Well, you know, I, I get out of school and then I have band and then I have this and then I go to this extracurricular and then I have this and then I have, now it's nothing against extracurriculars, band, football, whatever. They're all fine. I say football because that was always what I had to do. They're all fine, but you cannot fill your time with all kinds of things and then complain that you have no time for God. So anyway, that's kind of a little bit of what we talked about last week, but we'll keep it moving because uh, we've got to get into something this week that I think is really interesting. This week, we're going to look at another big deal type of dude in the Bible. <coughs> Excuse me. You probably heard his name. His name, not the one in here, but his name is Elijah. Not guitar play Elijah. Elijah, what's up? We ain't talking about you this week. But it is who Elijah is. That's where his name comes from. This guy, Elijah, in the Bible. Now, some of you probably know some things about Elijah, some backstory. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but in case you don't, was that gross? 
That was right in the mic, too. I was hoping that wasn't, but yeah, that was good. That was good. Sorry, I can't help it. I'm getting over all this congestion like Texas winter, man. All right, to give you a couple of things about Elijah, I want to set this up and I want to shush. Thank you. I want to mention a couple things and then I want to pull some stuff out of a story with Elijah that I think is going to be important to us. Um, Number one, Elijah is a prophet in the Old Testament. Now, if you don't know what a prophet is, I'll give you the real short version. Basically, you have the people in Moses' time. Moses was the leader. He led all the Israelites, all the people of the nation of Israel, out of slavery into this land. And they've, since hundreds of years now, have created governments. And if you know anything about the Israelites, they have continued issues with um, stay getting away from God. They'll be really good, really on the right track, really serving God. And then other nations, other idols, other religions creep in and then they drift and they go back and forth and back and forth. So anyway, at this period of time, God speaks through one specific person and that person is the prophet. Now there were other prophets, but at this time, Elijah is like the guy. He's the guy that connects to God. That is the voice of God that goes where God tells him to go and communicates what God tells him to communicate. Elijah is also what they refer to as a prophet of action or of acts. A lot of his ministry is defined by the things he did. He did amazing things. The point where right before we're going to pick up in in scripture, Elijah has just done a few things. Number one, he's just gone to a home that Jesus, or not Jesus, but God told him, go to this home and I want you to talk to this woman who's there. He goes there and finds a widow whose son has just passed away. He's literally laying in the upstairs room dead. And God tells him, I want you to go lay on top of that dude. Super weird, right? It's okay to acknowledge that's kind of weird. Lay on a dead body. Gross. Except that the moment he does it, the dude comes back to life. That's the kind of guy we're talking about. Like raising people from the dead. Awesome, crazy stuff. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite stories is right before the chapter we're going to pick up on. Elijah, again, is the prophet and... um, let me see where I'm at. Yeah. And uh, he, the two dominant religions at the time, you've got people that serve God, and then you've got people that serve this idol, this false god called Baal. Everybody know where I'm going? Know where I'm at? Good. I'm glad you paid attention. Anyway, so he does this big thing. He's, he's kind of getting tired of the fact that the Israelites kind of want to serve God, but then they kind of want to serve Baal. And so they're back and forth and back and forth. And so finally, he's like, you know what? I am going to put this to an end. We're going to do a challenge. And I challenge the prophets of Baal, all of their followers, I challenge them to a contest. And we're going to prove right here, once and for all, whose God is real, so that you will walk away from here knowing there is no doubt that my God is real, their God is not, and you have nothing to do but just follow him. Makes sense, right? Like he's tired of arguing with them, so he's like, I'm going to prove it to you. So if you've never heard the story, basically what he does is he gathers all these people and he says, here's the contest. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to build an altar. We're going to put wood on that altar. We're going to, uh, we're going to build this whole thing in tribute to the God that we serve. And then what we're going to do is we're not going to light the wood on fire. We're going to pray to your God and you're going to ask your God to send fire and light the thing on fire. Now think about that for a second. Literally, they took wood. Like, what if I took firewood, built a fire, and I was like, okay, nobody light it. I'm going to pray, and it's going to burst into flames. That seems crazy, but this is the kind of thing he challenges. He's like, look, if your God's legit, pray. He'll prove himself, and then we'll all believe. He'll love that. That's basically what Elijah's saying. He's like, and I'll even let you guys go first because y'all are the majority. There's a bunch of them. There's like 450. 
of their prophets. So they get up there, they pray, they pray, they sacrifice, they cut themselves, they do all kinds of crazy ritualistic things to try and get their God to send fire. And guess what? No fire. No fire. And there's a lot you can get into it. There's a lot of imagery. We'll study it some other time. Maybe if you join interns this summer, we'll get into it because it's really interesting. But the point is, after hours of doing all that they can do to get their God to respond, nothing happens. So Elijah being, let's face it, kind of the boss that he is, is like, not only will I get my God to light this thing on fire, I want you to pour water all over this fire. Now, my kids learned firsthand over the Christmas holidays that firewood that's wet does not burn because some dude on the side of the road sold me wet firewood. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, you punk. Not, not like it was like dripping wet and I'm just an idiot. Like it was wet like two days ago. But if you don't know that, if firewood was wet a few days ago, it doesn't burn. So I just, I had to put it in the oven and bake it. And then it's a whole thing. Anyway, so he, he waters down all this firewood. It, it biologically, physically should not actually burn because he made it impossible, scientifically impossible for this wood to catch fire. And yet Elijah in this moment, because he's awesome like this, says, all right, God, do your thing. Boom. Fire ignites. It's crazy. Not only does it light the fire, it burns everything to a crisp. It's this super awesome Old Testament. God is ridiculously awesome moment where he feels like the king. He's like, I told y'all, I told y'all my God is real. And so he feels great. He's like, that's it. I've proved it once and for all. They get rid of all the prophets of Baal. He's like, all right, Israelites worship the God that I've been telling you about all along. Come on in. I'll show you how it's done. Except that it doesn't go the way he wants. Scripture tells us that after this happens, it's this big victorious moment and everybody's in awe of what just happened. And then very, very quickly, Nothing really happens. The Israelites are like, yeah, that was cool. We see your God obviously did something awesome. We knew that he would. But their behavior doesn't change. Their lifestyles don't change. Nothing really changes. And then to top it all off, the the king and queen at the time, who don't believe in God, who who really have every reason to believe in God because he just did something spectacular, are like, you know what? Kill that guy. So Elijah, who's just had this victorious, like, amazing moment with God. He just got God. He just prayed and called down fire. I don't know about you, but if I prayed and fire came down, I would feel pretty good about myself. In this moment of where he thinks he's victorious, nobody follows him, and they all want him dead. So he takes off running, and he's hiding. And as the video uh, talked us through, He's hiding in a cave when God comes to him. And he's not so much hiding for fear of his life as he is really just upset. He's like, God, I did everything I could. I mean, I literally called fire from heaven and did the impossible, like, and they still don't believe. And he's really, really upset that things aren't going his way. And this is kind of where we pick up with his story. It's in 1 Kings chapter 19. If you've got your Bible, none of you. Yeah, you know, some of you. I saw Lily. Lily's got a Bible. Where are you at, Lily? Lily, hold the Bible up. Is this, you don't want to take it out? Why'd you bring it? Is it stuck in your sweatshirt? You put it in your sweatshirt pocket, but now it won't come out? I see how it is. That's all right. We'll put it on the screen for you. Uh, so in 1 Kings 19, this is where we pick up. Elijah's hiding in this cave. Incidentally, this is also the same location where Moses and the burning bush happened. And it's also the same location where later in his life, Moses 
saw God. But anyway, that's just a point for another time. First Kings chapter 19. You can see it on the screen. It says, Then the word of God came to him, that's Elijah, and said, So Elijah, what are you doing here? Verse 10. I, this is Elijah saying, I have been working my heart out for the God of the angel army, said Elijah. The people of Israel have abandoned your covenant, destroyed the places of worship, and murdered your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. Verse 11, then he was told, go stand on the mountain at attention before God. Basically, he's in the cave. He's there saying, go to the exit, like the entrance of the cave. I want you to see this. God will pass by. It says, a hurricane ripped through the mountains and shattered the rocks before God, but God wasn't to be found in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but God wasn't to be found in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, fire, but God wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, a gentle and quiet whisper. Different versions say a still quietness. When Elijah heard the quiet voice, he muffled his face with his cloak, which is like a sign of respect and reverence, went to the mouth of the cave and stood there. This moment is extremely important for a couple of reasons, and that's the kind of the things I want to point out to us tonight, and I hope that we can walk away with maybe a different understanding. The first thing I want to point out to you that, that we can learn from this, and, and not just us, or not just Elijah in that moment is learning something, but it speaks to us too. Number one, people aren't saved by impressive shows of God's power. Now, some of you that could like really mess with your theology, so I want to explain what I mean there. Even after witnessing the contest that Elijah put on, where he brings this fire down there's like no doubt that God is real and that Baal is not. There's no doubt in their mind. Even after witnessing this, the Israelites, who should know better, don't want to follow God. They're not convinced. They don't stick. They, they, even, they admit it. They, they witnessed it. This amazing moment. And it doesn't stick. Why? Why? We are left with no conclusion other than because following Jesus is not about the impressive things he can do in your life. Let me elaborate on that. How many of you have ever been to a youth event and had a moment with God? You were like, man, that was good. That was amazing. I felt something. It was a mountaintop, crazy, awesome experience. A lot of us have. Now, of that same group, how many of you have come home from that event and as the weeks went by, started to feel things fade away, starting to feel that mountaintop amazing experience drain away. And you almost longed for the next retreat. Then, then maybe city camp comes up and you have a great moment at city camp and you're like, yes, God is back. I believe in him. I'm going to live for him. It's going to be amazing. And then a few weeks go by, a month goes by and it starts to fade again. And then the next retreat happens and you're like, yeah, I love God again. This is going to be great victory in Jesus, and then it starts to fade. Why? Because something about those moments is leading us from God's most impressive, big, concentrated impact on our life, but we're not connected to him on the daily basis in between. It's like we're distracted by the earthquake and the wind and the fire, and we're going, yeah, that's God, but we ignore the whisper that he whispers into our lives every day. He's telling Elijah in this moment and us in this moment that God is not in the flashy. He's, he, he can do amazing. He can do awesome. He, he did all those things. But that's not really what's going to sustain you long term. 
If you're waiting for this mir- mir- miracle, I can't talk. If you're waiting, if you're waiting for this crazy miracle to be the reason you serve God, you're like, well, I won't serve God until I see like somebody get up out of a wheelchair who couldn't walk and like. That sounds ridiculous to a certain extent, but sometimes that's how we live our lives. We go, well, I, I just don't know if God is real because, you know, I haven't seen him do anything amazing. So I just, I'll wait till I, I, I believe it, you know, I see it. And you might, maybe you witness something. Maybe you get to see something. Maybe you have a moment. But just like those Israelites, it doesn't stick. Why? Because we cannot go from flash, flashy, crazy, over-the-top experience to over-the-top experience because that's not how God operates. If that's all you're surviving on, that's not survival. It'll get your attention. I'm not saying those things aren't important. They are. Over and over again, the miraculous and the amazing things of God are important. They get people's attention. But what keeps their attention is what comes after is the whisper, the voice of God speaking in your life. Now, I'm convinced over the last year worth of just rolling this around in my relationship with God, I am convinced that the single most important aspect of growing a relationship with Christ is communicating with him. Now, that sounds like, well, duh. We've heard that for years. But what I mean is, I feel like people get this misconception that if I say prayers over my food and occasionally when things aren't going right, I ask God for help, that that's a communicating relationship with God. Now, I don't want to demean your prayer life, but what I mean is oftentimes we do all the talking and we don't listen. Notice in this passage, Elijah does the talking. He complains. He's like, I've done all this. And then he stops talking. And it's not until God responds that things change. Notice, Elijah didn't do anything when the earthquake happened. He didn't do anything when the wind came. He didn't, it's, there was no response. He was unaffected. It was only when the whisper of God came to his life that things changed. That Elijah's posture, position changed. What I'm telling you is that if we don't, as followers of Christ, work at listening for his voice, And it's not this loud, booming, crazy, get your attention, smack you upside the spiritual Jesus head to pay attention. It's not that. It's a whisper. It's a whisper, and it's easy to miss. Amidst all the chaos, it's super easy to miss. Often we go to church events or retreats, and and we're looking for the impressive. If you went to uh, Cormdale with us last fall, God did some impressive stuff. I mean, it was, it was pretty crazy, especially night two. I don't think anybody left that retreat saying, not saying, whoa, that was, that was intense. Like that was, what? I did yell at you, but that was like in, in Jesus, not because you're jerks. It was like yelling in Jesus. It's okay. So I don't think, I, I don't think anybody walked away from that doubting that God did something. But over and over again, we have those moments and we go, man, that was good. But then we go back home and it doesn't translate. It's because we're not listening for the whisper. And why? Because number two, this leads us right into the point. Number two, the whisper is everything. Say everything. Say everything. Now whisper everything. Everything. 
There you go. That sounds kind of creepy. Because following Jesus means that you communicate with him on a personal level, a whisper-like relationship. Not to, not, uh, let me see, what did I say here? Not go from a prove-it moment to a prove-it moment. Zechariah 4, 6, it's in the Old Testament, it says this. It says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. Everybody say spirit. Spirit, that word there is important because that word spirit, when you translate it to the original language, is the exact same word whisper that we just read in 1 Kings. So when it says, and then after all those amazing things, after the earthquake and the fire and the wind, a whisper came, it's saying, then God's spirit came. Or it's also the same word translated into Greek and then into English in Acts 2, where it talks about the upper room and the day of Pentecost, and it says, as the spirit enabled them, that's the exact same word that we read in 1 Kings. So when it says he heard a whisper, he's really hearing the Spirit of God communicating to his life. If that doesn't tell you over hundreds, thousands of years worth of time, consistency, that something is important, I don't know what will. A whisper requires you to be close. If you're whispering to someone who's at the back of this room, hey, that's not a whisper. A whisper requires you to be close. And just like it does physically, it does spiritually. A whisper, God's whisper into your life requires you to be close to him. A whisper requires respect and honor. If you're whispering, it's because you're respecting something. You're respecting the volume in the room. You're respecting maybe somebody. If you're whispering during church, you're respecting who's speaking. If you're whispering during class, you're respecting the fact that you don't want to get in trouble. Uh, there's something you're respecting or honoring when you whisper. A whisper requires intentionality. Typically, you don't accidentally whisper. <laughs> you intentionally whisper. And in the same way, you don't accidentally stumble across the voice of God. You intentionally listen for it. Ask yourself, when is the last time you intentionally listened for the whisper of God in your life. Maybe never. Maybe this is all weird to you and you're like, dude, I don't know what this dude is talking about. I'm very simply talking about that God actually speaks to your life. Now, am, do I mean that you'll be sitting there in your room and you'll very creepily hear somebody audibly whisper to you? Probably not. That would, I'll be honest, that would freak me out. If I'm brushing my teeth and I hear, Kelly, I'd be like, whoa. I would probably pee a little. Like that would just be a little more creepy. It's not that. Most often, it's, it's either a, a mental whisper, so to speak, and that's the best way I can describe it, or it's, it's, it's as subtle as a whisper in our life situation. Maybe, maybe you happen to read something or, or, see, or watch a video or see something, and, and it's almost like God is saying, did you see that? Oh, you need to catch that. That's important. And if we're not intentionally listening, we'll miss it. It's not because he's trying to hide things from us. It's because he's trying to draw us close. If, I, if, I, if I'm standing in a big crowded room or busy room and I whisper to you and you're like, what? We naturally lean close. Earlier when we were in band practice, I was trying to tell Cameron something across the stage and I'm like, hey, I need you to start that. And he's like, what? He leans in. Our natural response is to lean, to pay attention. When God whispers to us, it's because he's trying to get us to lean into him. Not lay back against him and breathe. Sorry. 
Only through the continual and repeated focus on the whisper of God will your life change and move forward. This is why it's so key to hear God's voice speaking. I've said this last week, but every single person in the Bible or after that ever did anything amazing for God, almost every time you read it in the Bible, it starts with, and the Lord spoke to him, and then they did it. Or, and this was the word of the Lord to him, and he followed, or he obeyed. It always starts with hearing from God and then doing. So if you can't hear from God, you don't know what to do. And sometimes, many times, we run into people, or maybe ourselves, we find ourselves lost. We're like, man, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know what what the next step is. I, I don't really know. Well, if you're not listening, you, how would you know? And sometimes we make stuff up and we go, well, I guess this is where I'll go. And, and if God doesn't tell me not to go there, then that must be his will. That's not how it works. And I can say that because I was that guy for a long time. I'm like, all right, God, I just want you to close all the doors that are the wrong one and just only open the right one. And that was, my, that was the way we did things. For a while, it was like, all right, God, close all the wrong doors. Let me only walk through the right one. How about just stop and listen, and he'll tell you which one's the right one. Sometimes, ooh, that was good. You want to clap for that? Go ahead. You missed it. It's too late. It's too late. You missed your opportunity. Sometimes we can get distracted by the flashy things and the loud things that it's easy to miss the quiet. We live in a obviously, noisy world. So many distractions. You carry one in your pocket daily. There's so many distractions. If I have even 30 seconds of time where I'm waiting on something, even if I'm waiting on the Keurig to make my coffee, I've got my phone out like, I wonder what's going on. It's like 30 seconds, but we have distractions. We just find ourselves so busy physically and mentally. You ever tried to, in the middle of a service, focus on what God is saying, it's hard, especially if you're an ADD type person or if you're a details person. I had the hardest time whenever God kind of took me through this whole thing last year, last January, where I'm sitting in a service and he's like trying to talk to me. And I'm like, okay, God, what are you saying? Let's do this. And then I'm like, who's that? Somebody's singing off key or they change songs, right? I I won't call you out. And then they change songs. and I'm like, what song is that? Oh, I like that song. Or I hear somebody move over here. Somebody's jumping around. I'm like, Who's go- what's going on? What's going on? Distractions. It requires discipline and practice to quiet the chaos of your brain and focus. Even if you've ever tried to sit down and pray, you sit there for 30 seconds and you either fall asleep or you're like, man, I'm kind of hungry. Or you just start going through your to-do list or something. Like there's things that get distracted. It's hard to quiet your brain down. It's a skill that must be practiced. And that's kind of what I want to do to close out tonight. So I want you to stand. I had a couple other things to say, but I feel like this is where we want to go. Ruth, go ahead and hit, hit some instrumental going on there. Um, here's what we're going to do. Quietly, quietly stand up for a second. Like, let's keep it, let's keep it quiet for a second. Cause we've got a couple more minutes. I want to get this, get this going. Um, I said just a second ago, it's a skill that must be practiced. Must be practiced. You won't just accidentally have a great relationship with God. You won't just accidentally be able to communicate with him just clearly. I told the interns last summer when we were going through this that it's kind of like, and you guys may be too young unless you got like an old car. 
but it's kind of like one of those old radios where you had to turn the thing and you had to like get the little thing to move and stop it right on the right station or uh, or like a TV antenna. You guys, how many of you are anybody old enough to remember like that rabbit ear antenna, the little metal things? And it was like if you wanted to get the right station, you had to kind of move them till you got the signal. The signal literally TV signals are floating in the air right now, but you had to move the antenna just right to get the right reception. And if you were like super low budget, you had like foil on them. That was us growing up. We had like foil and coat hangers and all kinds of like metallic items, like jewelry hanging on it just to get the right reception because we wanted to see channel two. It was always so hard to get channel two in my house. Um, Sometimes hearing the voice of God is like that. You have to kind of learn to tune into it because he speaks to everybody a little bit differently. Um, You have to understand how the Holy Spirit communicates with you. So it does require practice. It requires intentional, repetitive. You might not hear him at first. You might just the first time be like, all right, God, say what you're going to say. I didn't hear nothing. That's okay. Keep trying. Keep tuning your spiritual Jesus antenna until you get there because I promise he's talking to you and I promise you it will change your life when you start to connect to it talk to our interns who some of who for the first time last summer had a moment where they actually heard God speak and it freaked them out in a really cool way Naya was it scary yeah Naya was crying half fear half excitement it's weird yes but if you keep doing the same things you always done. You're going to keep getting the same things you've always got. And I don't know about you, but following my ideas and my brain and my leading has not really ever gotten me anywhere good for long. I need the voice of God in my life. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Or just close your eyes or just not focus on the person next to you for a second. Whatever that looks like. In the last couple of minutes before we go, we're going to take a a minute to intentionally practice this. Now, I know I'm talking to you, and I know there's music going, and I know there's people next to you, and you might even like the people next to you. I don't know. It's easy to be distracted. I get it. But I want you to practice quieting your mind. Push through the chaos of what you're going to eat when you leave here, of, I don't know, who you're going to beat in air hockey. I don't don't care. It's stupid, but you know what I mean. Push through it and be intentional for just a minute and ask God, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying? It might be for you. It might be that God speaks to you and says, I've been telling you this for a while now and I'm glad you're finally listening. It might be that God speaks to you and tells you something for somebody else. That happens. And it, I mean, if, if that's where you're at, interns, I know a lot. some of you or a lot of you are there. Listen. I'll release you in a second to tell that person. But just close your eyes. Just focus. Maybe for the first time ever. Not the last. Focus at God. What are you saying? We hope you enjoyed the message. For more from Relentless, hit subscribe or check us out on Instagram or Facebook.